0: Good morning, TCC. Thank you so much for joining us this morning online, or if you're watching uh, this later on YouTube or by recording or on podcast, uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, It's great to be together in this way. I'm excited this morning to discuss the topic of love. Love. It's funny, I was looking over the past few years, I've been, this is my fourth Christmas at TCC, and in the last, out of these four, three of them, I've been assigned the love passage. Um, And I just got to say, I am so privileged to spend uh, more than a week uh, just thinking about the love of God and thinking about how to come to you as a church and say, Hey guys, God loves you. God loves you. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about God's love in the context of Christmas. And so um, I hope that you can posture your heart with me, uh, not only to hear about this love, but to receive it. Well, my family was a road trip family, and not like, hey, let's drive to Calgary for the weekend. Uh, We were a family that, uh, when there was a missions opportunity in Mexico, we would pile in our van and drive to Mexico. Uh, My mom is from Illinois, the Chicago area, so we would pile in the van and we would drive to Chicago— Uh, The way that this worked for my family though is that my parents were really good at making stops along the way. So on one of our trips to Mexico, I was so excited as this uh, prairie boy from you know Edmonton, Alberta. We don't have any water really near us. Alberta lakes um, are no comparison to the ocean. But I was very excited to spend some time in LA and to have the opportunity to go swimming in the ocean. Well, I had grown up going to Camp Caroline, and I loved the pool at Camp Caroline. I had mastered that pool. I was comfortable in it. I loved going to West Edmonton Mall. Uh, Also, similarly, I had mastered all the water slides. I was good in the waves, and I was like, man, the ocean, this is going to be so much fun. So I get out in the water. I'm swimming around. I'm, I'm enjoying my time. I'm going out a bit deeper. But suddenly, this thing called an undercurrent grabs me. I'm pulled underneath the water, and I am like freaking out, right? I don't know if this has happened to you, but my heart rate's going up. I'm kicking. I'm trying to get up for air, and I I get up, and I make it back to shore. And suddenly, my experience with this undercurrent caused me to look at water, to look at the ocean, to look at swimming with a bit more of respect. Suddenly, I was skeptical of the ocean. At times, fearful of the ocean. In fact, if one of you were to gift me and my family with a cruise, I would probably gift it to someone else. The thought of being out on the water, uh, not so much for me. But it's interesting, you know, swimming and being in the water was something that I was once so confident in. So excited to be in the water. But through this one experience, I had become incredibly unsure of it. Incredibly fearful well, we've all had these types of experiences in our lives, haven't we? Things that we were once confident in being becoming surrounded with uncertainty. Something that we never thought we'd have to question. Something that we were so sure of, suddenly feeling like, whoa, I'm not so sure of that anymore. I have a lot of questions about that thing now. And sometimes this is a good thing. We think about a proper fear of heights. Um, You should have a good respect for the ocean. But some experiences are not so good. Experiences where maybe we've been betrayed in a relationship. Or other experiences that have just caused us to be skeptical and suspicious of life. And we live maybe hiding a bit. We live a little bit reserved. Well, this past year has no doubt brought us into some uncertain times. This past year has been ripe for us to foster various forms of skepticism and uncertainty in our lives. And I think if we're honest, we may have developed a bit of skepticism, perhaps even towards God. Looking back at 2020, maybe we've asked questions of, God, where are you in all of this? If God loves us, why would he allow this pandemic to take place? If God loves us, why wouldn't he have brought that vaccine about faster? If God loves us, why did the economy shut down in the way that it did? In the midst of a global pandemic, if we're not careful, we, we, we can allow it to weigh, wear away at our trust in God. We can allow it to wear away at our trust in God's love for us. Yet we are in the season presently, the season of of Advent, anticipating Christmas. We are about to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Now friends, these are historic events. These events we are celebrating provide for us a confidence in the very real, ever present love that God has for us. So while we may wonder if God's love has changed, it has not changed. If we may wonder if God's love, we might feel like it has lessened towards us, but it has not lessened. If we wonder if God's love has departed from us, it has indeed not departed. And why can I say these things? Well, because some 2,000 years ago, God's love was expressed in a historic event, an event which works as a proclamation of God's love through the ages, throughout time, an event that cannot be changed. And that event, of course, is all wrapped up in the person of Jesus. The birth of Jesus Christ, among many things, is a proclamation and demonstration From our Father God of his love for us. The events surrounding the birth, life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Give us an assurance that the love of God remains present to us even now. Though we may struggle to feel it. Or though we may live in a culture that is more and more skeptical of God's love than ever before. But I want us to unpack some of these ideas. And and to do that, we need to first ask the question of, well, what is love? When we talk about love, what exactly are we talking about? And as good students of God's Word, it's important for us to take the time to uh, really get into the the Word of God and, and understand and pull out what it means when it talks about love. Now, as I said, I've had the opportunity to speak on love here at TCC many times. And in the past, I've drawn on the the study of a theologian named Scott McKnight. And I believe that when we ask the question, what is the love of Christmas? It's appropriate for us to to turn to what Scott McKnight has studied. Because Scott unearths this reality that when we're talking about the love we find in the Bible, we're not talking about a love that's based on a feeling— it's not this, like, gooey, fuzzy feeling that we get inside of our, our, our stomachs, you know? That's not the love the Bible's talking about. And it's not a love that is based on preference. This idea of, I prefer pizza over lasagna. <laughs> I love pizza, and I, I like lasagna. It's not that type of a thing. Rather, the love we see in Scripture, as Scott McKnight has, I, I believe, so wonderfully said, is summed up in commitment. It is summed up in... In commitment. He calls it a rugged commitment. Uh, some of you have probably heard the song by the worship leader Corey Asbury, um, The Reckless Love. Um, Scott McKnight would retitle that rugged love, the rugged love of God. Because it's this love that, you know, when we look at it and study it, it, it almost, it doesn't make sense. Because humanity has pushed against God's love so much. Why would God love us? It's because he's committed to loving us. He's coming after us. And not only is this love summed up in commitment, Scott McKnight kind of unpacks these three ideas. I want to unpack them again for us quickly as a way of reminder. And first he says that it is is a commitment to be with us. That God's love is a commitment to be with us. We could call this a commitment of presence. You know, my my wife and I now have a one-month-old at home and our two-year-old daughter Libby is starting to kind of experience maybe a bit of distance from mom. Mom's not as available, perhaps, as she once was. And I, I wonder if she was thinking about this at, at 2 o'clock in the morning the other day when, when Libby woke up and came running into our room and climbed into our bed and snuggled up against Mom and then asks Mom, Mom, will you snuggle me? You know, Libby's coming to, to Jolene and saying, Will you be with me? Will you be present with me in this moment? And of course, Jolene makes herself available. She gives Libby the gift of her presence. And, and friends, that, that gift of presence is something that you and I are all longing for from God. And we look, when we look at the Bible, we see this concept unpacked over and over again. When God made himself present to his people in the wilderness. When God made himself present to his people uh, by establishing the temple and coming to dwell among them. When God made his presence real among his people by speaking through the prophets uh, his heart for them. And then of course... At Christmas time, John chapter 1, verse 14, we see this summed up that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. God's presence among His people, His commitment to be with us. So we see God's love and His commitment to be with. Second, we see God's love and His commitment to be for us, His commitment to be for us. Scott McKnight calls this advocacy. This is an idea we see unpacked in in scripture when we read when God says that you will be my people and I will be your God. When, When God delivers the people of Israel up out of Egypt, it was an act of him being for them. Delivering them from their enemies. When God brings his people back out of exile, again this act of him being for them. And then of course coming to Christmas, ultimately Jesus coming to us. This amazing demonstration of God being for us by making a way for us to be restored into relationship with him. And we read that now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. That when we pray, we pray by the power of the Spirit through the Son to the Father. Jesus, our advocate. The one who is for us. And then Scott McKnight makes this observation that as you have the commitment to be with and the commitment to be for working alongside one another, we see this third commitment, a commitment to be what Scott McKnight calls unto. A commitment to be unto. And this is the reality that as God is with us and for us, he's, he's causing us to become the types of people that he desires us to be. That God does not leave us in a a sinful state. He does not leave us um, just kind of off on our own. But rather he journeys with us into us becoming the types of people he desires us to be. He journeys with us in us experiencing that life to the full that Jesus came to bring. Moving us towards becoming and being our best. Friends, this is the love that we see in scripture. It's not based on a feeling, it's not about preference, rather it's based on a commitment to be with us, to be for us, to see us become the types of people that he desires us to be. In the popular children's Bible written by Sally Lloyd-Jones, she calls this a never-stopping, never-giving-up, unbreaking, always-and-forever love. And this, I believe, is the love that comes to us at Christmas time when we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, For unto you this day is born, Um, a Savior is born, He is Christ the Lord. For unto you this day, in the city of David, is born a Messiah, He is Christ the Lord. The Savior who has come. At Christmas, we see these realities of of God being with us and for us. Just as coming in the person of Jesus. Establishing for us His love for all of eternity. Now to all of this, we would say yes and amen. Thank you, Pastor. What a great reminder of the love of God. But I wonder, are we too quick to just say yes and amen? Amen. Because often in life, I believe that we have experiences that may not affirm this type of love that I'm talking about. Um, our family's been enjoying uh, this Advent um, calendar that was put out by Ann Voskamp. And it's really a lot of fun. It's, it's a book that opens up and this tree pops up. And each day we have a reading. And after you do your reading, you open up one of these little compartments. And there's a little ornament um, and you take the ornament and you put it on the tree. And I know that some of you in the church are also using uh, this, this Advent calendar. And I want to use this as an illustration this morning. Uh, let's say the tree represents our hearts. And uh, as we go through life, as we learn about God, as we, as we uh, think about Christmas and the love of God, it's like each one of those memories, each one of those thoughts, it's like adding an ornament to the tree. Now, something funny happened uh, the other day. My wife was helping our two-year-old put the ornament on the tree, and she bumped the tree. I was worried this wouldn't work. And all the ornaments tumbled off the tree. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about the love of God. I'm thinking about this this message. And it hits me that, man, this is kind of what 2020 has been like for a lot of people. It's like, here's their heart and, and they have all these things they believe about God, all, all these great experiences, and the times they've experienced the love of God. And 2020's come along and knocked different parts off their heart. And instead of having this tree that's full, they, they feel kind of empty. They feel kind of empty. Our own hearts may be felt, left feeling a little bit bare. So what do we do? How do we respond? What's 2020 been like for you? Does the love of God feel close? When I talk about God being with you, are you like, yeah, I've really experienced this, that, that this year? Or maybe you're saying, with me? Man, I felt so alone. When I talk about God being for you, you might be thinking, for me? You have no idea how hard this year has been. What do we do when these questions arise? Well, this morning I want to explore some of the ways we may respond to this. And then invite us to a practical practice that I hope leads us into a deeper knowing and experiencing of God's love. I think the first temptation that might arise when when God's love is challenged in our lives. When we experience something that makes us question God's love. The first temptation... Maybe to just give all the right answers. Temptation just to give all the right answers. Now, if you grew up in the church, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's when the Sunday school teacher asks the question, well, what's you know, he asks you any question, and the Sunday school kids can just put up their hands and say, Jesus, it's the right answer. So when I say to you, Does God love you? Yes, of course, God loves me. Of course He does. Yes. You know, this idea, Jesus loves you, it's a phrase on fridge magnets, bumper stickers, coffee mugs, and t-shirts. And it's a true statement, but I wonder if we've somehow brushed it off. You know, I heard a story of a a young boy going to grandma's house, and, and grandma made the absolute best chocolate chip cookies. And grandma had her recipe out on the counter, and the little boy said, grandma, I'm going to make your chocolate chip cookies. You go wait in the living room. And so this little boy starts working, and, and every once in a while, grandma would pop her head in and say, Do you need any help? Do you need any help? And every time, he'd say, No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. I understand. I got it. I got it. But this little boy did not understand all the nuances with baking, Right? And he goes to the fridge and the butter's cold and he he goes to the, the pantry to get out the, the salt and the sugar and they look the same and he's he's mixing and he's working and he's turning the oven on and all this and, you know, grandma's sitting out in the living room kind of nervous. And eventually this boy produces these chocolate chip cookies and he brings them to grandma and they both bite into it and they're the absolute worst chocolate chip cookies this little boy has tasted and he just starts crying. You know, and the grandma's like, well, why didn't you come ask me for help? Well, I thought I could do it. I thought I could do it. You know, I wonder if for some of us who grew up in the church, we feel like we've mastered the love of God. We understand it. We've got it all in our heads. But in doing that, we've almost just pushed away God. We got it, God. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. God, you love me. I get it. I get it. But when the winds of life come, when when 2020 hits us hard and our ornaments all fall to the ground. We're we're so committed to just doing it on our own. we, We don't turn to God. We don't turn to God. So our hearts are hurting, but we go on pretending that it's all okay. And we reject the healing that God has for us. We forget what we read this morning in Romans eight verse 32, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And we don't go to, to God and saying, "God, I, I get your love in my head, but I'm just not feeling it in my heart right now." Because God wants to give us all things. He wants to give us that understanding. But we have to resist the temptation to just dish out all the right answers. We need to be honest with him. To come to him for help. The second temptation I think that comes up is to, to think that God's love is simply gone. It's simply gone. You know, maybe some of you watching this morning are, are here half-heartedly. You're watching and you're thinking about 2020. You're like, I don't know. I, I'm struggling in my faith Is God even real? I know we're celebrating Christmas, but was Jesus really God? Does does Jesus really have life abundant for me? And the experiences of life leave us doubting our faith. Our experiences of life leave us doubting if God is even true. But friends, the Bible teaches us that the love of God its foundation is not in our present circumstances god's love is not shifted or, or changed or turned because of a year like 2020 the love of god for us our understanding of it it's it's rooted in history events that have actually taken place so while we have this temptation to doubt because of our circumstances we are missing the opportunity to, to look back at the past and to look at God's Word and see, well, what has God done? What does God want to do? I've often shared about times I've been framing houses. Um, when I was, yeah, I was a carpenter before uh, heading to Bible college. And when we would build houses, you know, it's interesting because you're always working off something that you've already made. Right, So you get to a house uh, a lot and there's maybe the foundation is in. But the framers build the floor. And then we work on the floor and we build the walls. And then we work on top of the walls and we build the second floor. And then we work on the second floor and we build the second floor walls. and, And so on and so forth. And I have memories of standing on top of the wall on the second floor. So I'm like 30 feet up. So if you're scared of heights, this would freak you out to see me up there. And I'm standing on this wall... And there is a confidence that I have that this house is not going to fall over. There's a confidence that I have that what I'm standing on is firm. Why? I built it. I put the nails in the wood. I constructed the house up to that point with my team. And I know that we did good work. So I can stand there, whether there's wind or rain or whatever, knowing that the house beneath me isn't going to crumble. Friends, the love of God is like that. There, there, we stand on something that is built, something that is firm, that, something that is established. And when the temptation to doubt and to question and to, to say that the love of God is just gone, when that arises, we need to look back at history. We need to understand that, that Christmas is the celebration of a historic event, that Jesus did indeed come. This is what we read again in our passage this morning. Romans chapter 8 verse 34. Who is to condemn? The question is asked. Then Paul says Christ Jesus is the one who died. Past tense. More than that, the one who was raised. Past tense. Who is present tense at the right hand of God. Who is present tense indeed interceding for us. Paul is appealing to. To history. And friends, I appeal to you this morning, if you are doubting, if you feel like God's love is just gone, look to history. Look to what has been. And allow it to bring you a foundation that helps you to trust in the love of God. There's one more temptation I think that we have when we feel like all the ornaments have fallen off the tree. And that's the temptation to avoid God. The temptation to avoid God. So this isn't a, you know, just put on a happy face and pretend everything's okay. And this isn't a complete doubt where you push God away. Rather, it's kind of living. It's like you know the Bible's true. You you trust and believe in the work of Jesus. But you're just frustrated at God. God, why did you allow this year to happen? God, you said that you loved me. But this sucks. God, where are you in all of this mess? And in the midst of that frustration, we just create a distance between us and God. But friends, when we live questioning the love of God, we may unknowingly begin to stop trusting Him. And suddenly, while we might, you know, we we know God's there, we just start living totally apart from Him. This is where Romans chapter 8, verse 35 to 39 come to us. Paul's appeal. You know, Romans 8 is is such an amazing passage. And in Romans chapter 7, we have Paul looking at his own circumstances and asking the question, who is going to rescue me? He looks at his own life. He feels trapped in sin. He feels lost and like, what am I going to do? Come on, God. But he makes a choice to turn his eyes to Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, he talks about all the blessings we have in Christ Jesus. One thing after another. And he gets to this passage we had read for us this morning. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution Famine or nakedness or danger or sword? If Paul was living in 2020, he would have added, uh, would a global pandemic separate us from the love of God? Absolutely not. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We will be regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Which is Paul saying that we we will face these difficulties. We will go through hard times. But he goes on, verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who, what? Who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you were all in here, I'd say, could I get an amen? (laughs) Friends, this is the present reality. And we may want to avoid God, frustrated at him that he seems distant, frustrated that he doesn't feel like he is with us or feel like he is for us. But the Bible tells a different story. Nothing can separate us. Friends, there is no guarantee in our physical health. There is no guarantee that our economy will always flourish. But there is a guarantee in the love of God. So while sickness may come, while financial struggles may overwhelm us, while we might lose a lot of what we have, may we while well, as we face difficulties and frustrations in life, these things do not separate us. From the love of God. So what do we do when our ornaments have fallen off the tree? What do we do? When we have these different temptations to either just pretend everything's okay. Or to doubt and push God away. Or to just avoid him. When those temptations come, friends. We need to choose to remember God's love. We need to choose to remember God's love. And we take these pieces and we start putting it back together. One ornament at a time. We remind ourselves of the love of God. This is exactly, I believe, what Paul does in Romans. He turns his eyes to Jesus Earlier in Romans chapter 8, he says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. That is our invitation to set our minds on God. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4 talks about setting our minds on heavenly things. Pastor Norb referenced that last week. So we set our minds on God's love. And friends, God's love is available for us to receive. It's there waiting. What I love about this Advent calendar is each one of these ornaments represents a different Bible story. And so as we reflect on God's love as it's, it's explained in the Bible, we start redecorating our Christmas tree. As we set our minds on things above and remember God's love, the way that He has been for us and with us in His Word, we start redecorating the Christmas tree. So we remember God's love as it's rooted in the story of the Bible, history, a firm foundation. But secondly, we remember God's love as it's rooted in our own stories. So as much as these ornaments can represent a biblical story, they might represent your story. When you think of your own life, you know, I can remember seasons in my life when when Jolene and I had a miscarriage after trying for quite a while to get pregnant. Such a difficult time, but I remember God was with us. Or the season of life where where we were moved from a secure job and framing. Moved out to Three Hills to start Bible college. I can think about that time and remember that God was with us. God was for us. And when I think about all the sin in my life. All my own failings. All the things that I've screwed up in. I can think about how God continues to have grace for me and how he continues to lead me into becoming the person that he desires me to be. And I see how God is working to make me become the person that he desires me to be. And little by little, as we set our minds on the love of God, as we remember the love of God, all that 2020 might try to take away from us, Is not only restored, but secured. Well, last week, Pastor Norb uh, gave you some homework. And uh, I want to give you some homework as well. Unfortunately, I printed the wrong thing and it's not right in front of me. So I'll have to look at the screen to to see um, what exact wording I had. But I want you today or this week to take time to remember. To take time to remember. How might you uh, spend time reflecting on the love of God? Maybe over the dinner table you can sit down with your family and and ask the question, how have we experienced God be with us? How have we experienced God before us? How have we experienced God working in us to become the type of people he wants us to be? And as your stories are shared around the table— you start to put these little ornaments back on the tree. So talk about it with your family. Or maybe you're more reflective and want to sit down and pull out a piece of paper or open up your journal and just sit down and, and start to write about what the love of God means to you. I encourage you in this week to reflect back on this past year to identify the ways that you've maybe felt tempted to question God's love that you've felt tempted to doubt, that you've felt tempted to just put on a happy face even though you weren't feeling it. And to write about those times and then to remind yourself of the love of God. Perhaps a good exercise for you would be to write out the good news, write out the gospel in your own words. Sit down and and write out, okay God, how, how how has your love come to me? How has your love come to the world? And in all of this, I believe we posture our hearts to receive from God this love that he so deeply desires to give to us. I'm going to invite the Liskies back up as we close. Friends, I, I said a lot this morning But I really believe that you, like me, this past year, have experienced a type of turbulence that's maybe caused you to face these different temptations, to wonder where is God, to wonder if He really loves you. But remember, what we are celebrating at Christmas gives us a certainty, a certainty of the love of God. And with the the Apostle Paul, we can be reminded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, including COVID-19, will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.